Welcome to Rich Conversations. Today we are joined by Joe Kim An from Singapore. Uh, this was a really fun episode to record. Uh, it was because of the time difference. It was really late at night, so instead of my usual coffee, which I, th- I think would be be a bad decision for me, I was drinking a glass of Bordeaux, and we just talked about space. And uh, he shared what the city and culture are like in Singapore. He described his experience using his telescope to view and take photos of the planets in outer space. And we just kind of like geek out about space exploration and how it allows the opportunity to ponder the significance and insignificance of life, as well as stir the imagination and wonder. Fantastic episode. You can follow Joe Kim on Instagram at cosmic underscore palette. All right. Let's explore outer space. All right. Welcome to Rich Conversations. We have another fantastic episode. We're going to talk about outer space, which uh, always gets me pumped up. Uh, We are talking with Joe Kim all the way in Singapore. How are you? Yes, I'm great, man. Hi, hi, everyone. And uh, it's it's a nice it's a nice day, very yeah. nice weather. And uh, I mean, usually in Singapore, it's always nice weather. Either it's sunny, or if it's terrible weather, then it's raining. So I'm good. And yeah, let, let's get the conversation started. Yeah. So we have we have like a 14 hour time difference. So it's it's morning by you. We can see in your video there's yeah. bright sunlight. <laughs> Looks magnificent. Uh, Usually I drink coffee during these conversations, but since since we're recording late, I thought I'd uh, take this bottle of Bordeaux out for a spin. It's uh, I don't know if, I don't know yeah, if viewers can see it. It's a little blurred out. Oh, there it is, Chateau Bar Barry. I have no idea. It's a 2016 Bordeaux. Uh, so I'm gonna be sipping on this while I'm I'm listening to you talk about outer space. <laughs> so why why don't you introduce yourself for uh listeners and viewers uh, yeah so i'm i'm joe kim i am 25 and uh i could actually just graduated from university and now i'm working as an engineer but okay. uh yeah in my free time as a hobby i really love astronomy and i'm quite a bit of an enthusiast i've been doing it for yeah, about tell. uh actually almost all of my life actually but uh, okay. seriously speaking, maybe about um, 15 years. Yeah. Okay. So I've been in this for about 15 years very, very seriously. And so um, in terms of the interest, I like observing things in space. So for example, the galaxies, planets, uh, with my eyes through the telescope. And also I do like uh, taking pictures as well. So that's the astrophotography side of it. And then, you know, sharing it online or with just friends and things like that. Yeah. What, what kind of engineer are you? Uh, I'm a mechanical engineer. Mechanical. So currently I'm working in semiconductors. So really doing the really precision kind of uh, engineering. So where wow. we are trying to design machines and make machines that can have a precision of like microns or even submicrons. So we're talking maybe even nanometers of precision. So to some extent, actually, it's quite similar to astronomy because when you point a telescope at the stars, you yeah. also need yeah. that level of precision. So kind of a bit of cross in terms of my hobbies yeah. and then my yeah. professional interests. Well, yeah. Wow. Well, what, why don't you tell me a little bit about Singapore first? What, what's uh, You've lived there your whole life, you said. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, what's like the general vibe of Singapore? Uh, well, it's, uh, I think... Now it's getting very crowded. It's a very, very densely populated city. So I would say actually the general vibe is it's very fast paced. And uh, yeah, like uh, in in a sense, it's not very uh, like there are a lot of social events, but it's not, I would say, very social, especially compared to um, some other countries because a lot of the focus here is on uh, on like uh, on work and then okay. usually we stay in our own social circles but uh, there is quite a bit of culture as well um, 
because it was a city which came from the colonial era, from the British times. And so uh, we've, we've got a bunch of different races as well. So in, in Singapore, we've got uh, Chinese, which makes up the majority, Malays, Indians, and then um, the rest, others, generally speaking. Yeah. So these are the official races. So it's, I think, usually people always describe it as a melting pot culture. Yeah. So because you've got a lot of different, uh, a lot of different people around. Yeah. But yeah, on a day-to-day -day basis, it can feel actually quite um, antisocial in a sense because I think it's it's kind of like the general big city vibe where uh -huh. everyone's doing their own thing. But yet, you also get to interact with a lot of different kind of races, and in fact, people of different countries they also come to Singapore to work. So, yeah. Generally, it's very interesting because the cultures are just, yeah, a lot, many, many different cultures. Yeah, I hear more and more about Singapore. Uh, and it's, I guess the big things that I hear is that it's safe, it's well run, and yeah. it's like a big financial like hub. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's very well run. And in fact, it's run like, uh, in fact, it's run like a big company. <laughs> so, yeah. The idea behind all of the government, all of the governments and all of governance is really to try to grow the economy. So, so how yeah. do you feel about the the government? Do you feel like you're like how, I mean, how do you how do you like the way it's run? Well, in a sense, to some extent, it's a bit uh, it's a bit strict. It's a very very like uh, very focused on running the economy, but. Okay. On the other hand, as you said, it's it's very well run. And that means yeah. that in general, our job security is really good. The job market now is, it, it's not really been hit too hard by COVID. I mean, I mean certain sectors, like for example, the, the labor market, I mean, the service industry, maybe a little bit more, but in general, in terms of economic investment, it's really good. So I think as Singaporeans, to some extent, we say that our life is a bit too easy because we don't really have to worry about, uh, you know, uh, things going wrong yeah so that's when we tend to say oh okay maybe and we start to complain and say uh, yeah maybe the government could have been better in this aspect or you know yeah. or that. but in general it's really good but i think we've just also developed that culture of complaining yeah. interesting now you mentioned like uh about like the social aspect is it just because like people come to Singapore to work and like that's yes. the focus? Yes, okay. there, there, there's a lot of uh, foreigners who come to Singapore to work. And then also for the locals, there is some sense of a culture where um, being Asian, we are brought up with the mindset that um, to be successful in life is to earn a lot of money. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, that ends up becoming a focus and well, it's not a bad thing to earn a lot of money, yeah. but, but I feel like there is less, uh, people are less passion-driven, but rather it's more like, uh, like, like people usually do things because, I mean, I mean, not entirely because of money, but like, it's a big factor here. Okay. So it's a big factor there. Um, yeah, it's just, what? just the culture. So like... Everyday life, what what kinds of like sights, sounds, and smells are you observing and experiencing on the streets? Yeah, I hate to say it, but it's quite negative because sights and sounds is traffic and pollution and actually a lot of construction noises because Singapore is just growing so fast. Like um, almost every plot of like uh, green grass, uh -huh. if it's not developed now, it's going to be developed next year. And you would see it turn into a construction site so quickly. Yeah, so a lot of the noises actually are coming from construction sites and urbanization projects. But um, I think if we look at it from a different angle, and maybe if I say a bit more metaphorically, what are some okay. of the smells or sites that we can see? And I would say it's the food, because uh, we've got like hawker centers here where we've got many hawker stores, like many different uh, food. Um, food options and food, you know, stalls all bunched up together in one center. So then okay. you can get almost any kind of food in that center. 
and yeah, actually, it does give off a very, very strong smell. Like you can smell all the sort of aromas coming from hawker centers. But obviously, you need to be near these hawker centers to smell it. And it's really nice. I think Singapore, I'm not sure if anyone knows, but I think most people know it's known for the food. Like we've got so many different kinds of food because of the many different kinds of cultures that we have. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Now, you talked about the uh, like construction and urbanization. Like, has it always been growing at that rate, or is that? recent that it's it's taken off um developing wise yeah i, I think it's more um uh, it's more recent but we feel it okay. more now because we are starting to run out of space yeah. or land in our small island because singapore is a really small island and so maybe about 10 or 20 years ago um we still had a lot of green spaces like not just parks but like just undeveloped areas but now okay we are really running out of actual land that we can, you know, build on. So is that, is that like a topic of discussion among like people yeah. that live there? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a very big topic because uh, the population is growing, but um, obviously the land area is not growing. Yeah. I mean, we have reclaimed a lot of land, like we've actually created land in the ocean, but that's not a lot. And uh, yeah, in terms of housing, there's nothing to run out of housing. The government is trying to build more, but the population is also growing at a very exponential rate. So it, it, it's kind of like trying to keep that balance to try wow. to make sure that everyone has a house. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. So what, what is yeah. the plan then? Is it to like, well, you talked about the balance, but is it just like keep building up? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's okay. to keep building up. So, uh, in Singapore, most of our housing is actually apartment blocks. So it's just many, many, many stories stacked on top of each other. So about maybe 30 stories of houses and then just blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So if you live in what we call a landed property or like a, like a nice house, an actual house with a garden, mm. then you are one of the lucky few. And in fact, you probably would have to be quite, um, quite well to do, quite wealthy because those yeah. are worth a lot. Yeah like wow. millions of dollars really just yeah. having a green space is uh yeah. that valuable yeah. in, in your house it's it's it's, it's very rare yeah. wow so if someone were to uh visit for a few days what would you recommend them doing i have a quick little story so we had uh, yeah. a guest on and he he's like a frequent flyer so sometimes he'll just fly just to like pick up points and stuff and one time he flew to singapore for eight hours and then flew back. And in that time, he talked about the airport is incredible. And he, yes. he went to the <laughs> he went to the resort. Uh, there's a resort that that big, uh, if you see a photo of it, the like three pillars yeah, and then yeah, up yeah, on the yeah, top, yeah, 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 he went up yeah, on yeah, the roof yeah, and had the Marina a Bay, Marina Bay Sands. Marina so. Bay, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. He had a drink up there and then he uh, took a flight back. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that was a short stop over, wasn't it? But um, yeah, so there are the normal tourist attractions like the airport. It's actually a tourist attraction, as as crazy as it sounds. But we have developed the airport like to ridiculous extent. It's a mall, and now it's got like a, it's got a like an artificial waterfall going down in the middle. Yeah, it's, I saw that. It's just crazy. If you look at pictures of it, yeah, it's it's like it's got a garden and stuff like that. So, well, then other, other tourist attractions like uh, Gardens by the Bay at Marina Bay. Okay. Um, yeah, that one is really nice. But, yeah. But obviously, all these are like, in a sense, artificial. Because <laughs> it's built okay. like um, yeah. 10 years ago, nothing existed on that plot of land. And in fact, I think 20 years ago or more, that plot of land didn't even exist. Like it was ocean. And really? Not really <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're like, made land out of ocean and then they build a garden on it so that's like wow. one of the tourist attractions one of the more popular ones as you said marina bay sands that one sits on actually reclaimed land so um, in your in your opinion does it feel does the city feel artificial too artificial or no yeah in my opinion yes <laughs> because, really uh, yeah a lot of things are built like created just for the sake of uh, just for the sake of making it, just because, like the airport. Because you can do it, yeah. let's do it type of thing. Yeah, let's do it and let's try to attract some tourists. 
yeah. Dudley Street. Yeah, and like, for example, the casinos. Stuff like that. Um, but I think in terms of something that is not very touristy, that I really like about Singapore is that we have some really nice nature reserves. So we have like a central catchment area in the middle of Singapore where it's a nature reserve. And yeah, the moment you step into it, it feels like you are in a rainforest, like a tropical rainforest. So you can go from middle of the city into tropical rainforest like in five minutes. And wow. I think that's really cool. So. If you ask me what, it, what I like most about Singapore is that you can come and visit Singapore and you can visit a tropical rainforest and get that experience without leaving the comforts of a city. So, wow. yeah. so we've got like a, a treetop wall, like with a bridge that runs through the canopy of the rainforest. Okay. So I think that's really cool. Have you ever been in New York City? Yeah, but that was when I was like so young, when I was okay. like maybe three years old. <laughs> so I don't remember yeah. much. I'm curious if like Central Park feels like that in a way to some. Like to the nature reserve I'm talking about, right? Yeah. But you're you're no, you're no. talking like a like a even like, like a real reserve. forest. Like this okay. is a real natural heritage forest. Okay. Like the one of the few remaining ones in Singapore. It's okay. Yeah, it's and, one and of the in fact it's the only remaining one because the others are all sectioned off for military use. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. So, so that's one you can do. That's really nice. Uh, well, shifting gears a little bit, uh, what originally sparked your interest in observing the universe and our solar system? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, I started at a very young age, right? So I think it really started with my dad, who had an interest as a Boy Scout, according to him. Like he liked looking up at stars and learning how to navigate the stars. And so when I was about three years old, he's, he said, okay, um, let's take this interest a little bit further. And he bought a small telescope, like a really small one, like a beginner. But yet, I mean, that was like 20 years ago. So yeah. even a small one costs like $1,000. Wow. So, yeah. And then that, that's how we started to get a bit more interested in the stars. Like you would bring me out to some of the darker areas in Singapore and also to Malaysia to Stargate, like when I was still young. And then we started to join some astronomy clubs here. And it's just exposed me a bit to, to, to the skies. And obviously that really, really piqued my curiosity. So I think when I was about 12, yeah, that's when I got into it seriously and we bought a much bigger telescope. And then from there, you know, slowly developed this, this interest that turned into a passion that probably you could say turned into an obsession. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so now compare the telescope you use now. Do you have like your own personal telescope or do you use like several different ones? Uh, yeah, I I've guess, got a few. I've got that's, a few. What, that's what I would imagine you, yeah. you have a few. Compare, <laughs> compare your best telescope to the one you started using. Like how big of a difference is it between the two? Um. I would say it's like, uh, maybe it's like driving a really old manual car, like yeah. with, I don't know, 20 year old manual car com okay. compared to driving like a Mercedes or maybe even a Ferrari if wow. you compare it. Like, yeah, because the, the one I started with was so finicky, like, it was difficult to use and the size is like it's about maybe like that in terms of diameter okay and whereas now the one that i use it's about this big in terms of diameter yeah so it's like in terms of the amount of light it gathers it's at least 10 times more and you can see so much more yeah so and obviously the other thing is that yeah why i use the analogy of a manual car is because now the, the one that i use is computerized and it's got electronics. Okay. And so if you want to see, say, you want to see Saturn, you key in Saturn and it goes. It moves to Are Saturn. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. And let's say you want to see the Andromeda galaxy. And then you say, let's go to M31, which is the code for Andromeda galaxy. And then it moves. And you don't have to do anything. Yeah. Wow. So it's automatic. And it's really cool. Yeah. 
before that, before you before you're able to do all of that yeah. did yeah. you have to like train yourself of like where everything is in this yeah. yeah 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 you do have to train yourself because um even though it's very automated you still have to align the telescope like you have to calibrate it to the sky and tell it okay. where it's pointing and once it learns where it's pointing then it's able to calculate the rest of the positions of the stars wow um Okay, so now you have software that helps you out. Well, like, what's the process behind the software? Like, what I guess when you go out and take pictures of planets yeah. and stuff, like, what what is your process? Do you um, you mentioned before about like going to Malaysia to stargaze? Yeah. I, I imagine there's too much light pollution in Singapore that you can't yeah. really observe much there. Yeah. So in Singapore, we can actually observe the planets because the planets are actually really bright. Like they are yeah. the brightest things in the sky. So for example, Jupiter, Venus, Saturn, all these, you can easily see them with your naked eye without a telescope. Okay. And uh, yeah, so these are really bright. And usually th these are what I observe in Singapore. Okay. So if you see any of my pictures of Jupiter or Saturn, it's usually taken in Singapore. Um, so, where so the else stars are in Malaysia. Malaysia. Yeah, the stars are in Malaysia. Okay, but the planets usually we can do it only in Singapore. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. yeah. So when I go to Malaysia, it's more to see galaxies, um, nebula, and things like that. All the wow. dim stuff and the, the the usually really cool stuff which you see on pictures, like from Hubble Space Telescope and stuff. Like that. I mean, obviously through the telescope with your eyes, you don't see it as clearly in fact you don't even see color but okay. still i think the cool thing about astronomy is that when you see a galaxy it mm. appears more like a smudge to you it's like a smudge nothing much sometimes you may not even make out much structure but there is something that's really cool about it because you start to realize that the light that is hitting your eye is coming from something that is, is like millions of light years away so that light has taken millions of years to travel to you, and now you're receiving it. Yeah. And this is through the, the telescope, right? The view you're getting yeah. from your telescope? Yeah. yeah, through the telescope, through through my telescope. And that's usually when we have to go to Malaysia to really pick up these faint dim objects. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty profound, isn't it, to think about? Yeah, it is. It is. And I think the, the most... The most crazy thing about astronomy is that when you stand out there under the Milky Way mm -hmm. and you look up, there is a certain kind of uh, feeling which you know, I just can't describe. When you know that each star is like, in, in terms of kilometers or miles, it's like millions and billions of kilometers of miles. But And it's so much that you have to use light years. Um, it's just crazy. Yeah, it's how is that like romance of astronomy, if you like? Yeah, how has that shaped your outlook on life? Yeah, I think the one thing that it's taught me is that um, we are small. We are really small. Like, um, no matter what you're going through, if you are happy today or you're sad today, or you know, it's been a pretty shitty day. If, if you look up and you realize, you will just realize that. Hey, we are small. We yeah. are so small. Yeah. yeah. And, and our guys, problems yeah. are even smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our problems are small. Like, I think it makes you realize that life is kind of like a gift that we should enjoy because it could be gone tomorrow. It's like that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and the photos that you've taken, they look like they're straight out of a, like a science textbook. Like, right, like exactly what it looks like. Um, have Has it taken you to other places? Like, have you used this passion of yours to go to like science museums or observatories to check out kind of the equipment they have and what it looks like from there? Uh, anything like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've visited a few places. And I think one of the, the places which stands out most to me is uh, in Japan. Um, okay slightly north of Tokyo. Uh, that is the <clears throat> Gunma Astronomical Observatory. Yeah. 
So that that place, it, um, it's a professional observatory actually. But um, the cool thing about that is they open it up to public on some nights, and you can actually look through the their telescope because a lot of professional observatories they have huge telescopes, but you can't look through them because it's just a, a camera or a sensor that's attached to the to the to the telescope. Okay. Whereas for this one, they have configured it in such a way that you can also look through it. And I think, in a sense, it's really cool because the telescope is uh, 1.5 meters in diameter. So that's yeah. about my height in diameter. Yeah. And in terms of size, it's like a, almost two stories. So it's, it's huge, like really huge. Probably, yeah, the size of my room or something like that. Yeah. And, and that's the telescope. And so looking through it is like, it's really cool. Like you see exactly how the nebula is in pictures. Just that um, for me, I still couldn't pick up much color because the interesting thing is that our eyes are not very sensitive to color in the dark. So even though I could see a lot of structure in the nebula, there wasn't much color. But yeah, I think it's really cool to look through the telescope. And I think it's more of uh, just the coolness, the cool factor of it and how big the telescope is. Because in terms of the view, actually, it wasn't that great. Like it was on par with other telescopes, which I have looked through, like in Australia, where they were much smaller, but um, they were more tuned to viewing. Whereas this one is kind of like the viewing thing is not the main focus of the telescope since it's more of a professional work. Okay. So, yeah, the view wasn't that good, but still the cool factor was there. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned Australia. Where else have you traveled and, and like looked at space? Uh, yeah, I think in terms of specifically for astronomy, it's or rather astronomy related places, it's mainly these two, Japan and Australia. Okay. Um, but it's kind of like as part of a holiday. And okay. like there are certain places in Australia that they've got like astronomy nights where you, you know, public can just come in, pay a fee or something, and you can look through the telescopes. Uh, there was one place just south of Brisbane. Uh, I think it's a Twin Star Guest House. It's actually a bed and breakfast with an observatory at the back. So it's run by an old Japanese couple and they've got like this, this, uh, this observatory in the back with like an 18 inch telescope. So it's 18 inches in diameter. So maybe something like, oh. yeah, it's huge. Um, yeah, maybe six, six feet tall. Yeah. So wow. that, the views there were really good. This was at a bed and breakfast. Yes, it's a bed and breakfast, but the selling point is they are astronomy enthusiasts. <laughs> <laughs> like, like crazy about astronomy. Was this in like a kind of like a remote part of Australia? Yeah, really, you said out of Brisbane, really but like I'm sure it was yeah. a little bit more remote, right? Yeah, yeah, probably like three, four hours out of Brisbane. Yeah. yeah. Those are those are really cool moments when like um yeah. like for me the first time I probably experienced this, I was like road tripping by myself out in the American West. And I was driving from Colorado through Utah to Yellowstone. And I never seen the stars so bright that I, I just pulled yeah. over to the side of the road and I got out and it's I crazy. just looked up and it's like, it's, it, it just comes I've never seen like, it before like that. Yeah. It was yeah, it's, so it's, wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a word to really describe the emotion either. You could say wonderful, you could say awesome, but yeah, it's a very special feeling yeah. to see stars that's bright and to actually, yeah, if you actually could see the Milky Way, you might even see like structure in the Milky Way with the dust lanes and things like that. Yeah. And I think that's, those moments are really cool. Okay, so we had yeah. someone from NASA on recently and we talked about the James Webb Telescope. What uh does that does the James Webb telescope excite you at all? Yeah, I mean uh it's it's cool. <laughs> but uh to me it's uh I'm more of uh doing things myself. Like that's my okay. interest. Yeah. Okay. So I like to use my own telescope, look at it, <laughs> look at the sky with my eyes. 
But obviously, I, I love science as well. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Like, I'm excited by it as well. I'm excited about it. And I look forward to seeing the kind of data that it's going to bring back in. But I think from my understanding, it's not going to be the normal kind of pictures that we're going to see. It's more of like uh, into, the, into the longer wavelengths. So yeah. the pictures that we see, maybe it's slightly less conventional to what we're used to. So for me, it's kind of like technology is moving forward. It's great that we've got like so many different kinds of telescopes, um, like professionally. And but for me, the focus is really on enjoying it myself as well. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see you know what kind of um, discoveries they can make with the James Webb telescope. Yeah, I I get that. What do you think? You mentioned how the telescope that you used to use would feel like a like a 20 year old manual car compared to the one you're using now what do you think the telescope you're going to use 15 or 20 years from now will be like oh uh i think it's gonna be bigger (laughs) that's for sure it's gonna be like uh maybe like a bus, <laughs> like a premium bus. Because the interesting thing about astronomy is that the bigger the telescope gets, the more things you see, the more like it collects. So for me, like my dream telescope is a huge one, like 18 inches, 20 inches. So mm-hmm. whereas now my telescope is like eight inches. Yeah. But once you reach like 18 or 20 inches, it gets so big that you know, transporting it around is a problem. But yeah, I think in 15 or 20 years time, yeah, I could totally see myself with huge monster telescopes. So maybe, <laughs> yeah, going from like a 20-year-old manual car to like, uh, to where I am now in a, like a nice sedan and then later on a monster truck. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to get a place. Truck is what it's going to be. You're gonna get a place in Singapore with a with a backyard, a nice green space. Everybody will be like, "Oh, that's so cool!" And you're gonna rip it up and just like put a monster telescope in it. I feel like that would be the dream, honestly. But <laughs> once again, the problem is that we've got so much light pollution here that it doesn't really make sense to put a monster telescope there. So, yeah, I would have to transport it some way to Malaysia, and there are designs which are slightly more portable. Start a start a astronomy focused bed and breakfast yeah. in Malaysia. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be like my life dream. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like the technology itself and the telescope hasn't changed much since probably like hundreds of years. Like the bigger it is, yeah. the more light it allows it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in terms of the basic technology of the telescope, like the the principles of how it's working, it's the same. It's it's been the same for like at least 100 years. But in terms of the precision to which we can manufacture these telescopes, then it starts to be, you know, now it's much, much better. So even though in the past you might need a huge telescope, now you can get the same quality with a much smaller telescope. Yeah. And obviously the, on the other side is the technology with uh, the electronics, the computerization of telescopes, which makes things a lot easier and also allows you to find things a lot quicker and in fact also track the things as you observe it rather than having to move and follow the, the object as it moves in the yeah. sky yeah. yeah less work on your end yeah um do you have a favorite planet other than earth yeah um for me it would be jupiter and i think for a lot of other people who like or observe planets it's jupiter and that is because of how dynamic Jupiter is. Because, really? Yeah, it's it's so dynamic. Like it, it can almost change from okay, usually from week to week. But if you're really lucky, maybe from day to day. Yeah. So I'm talking about like the clouds and the way it's moving on Jupiter. So okay. I think for those who are familiar, it's like the, that's the Great Red Spot. And if you observe the Great Red Spot, it can change over the course of a few months. And as gases you know, hit the great spot and causes, you know, vortices to come off the great spot and things like that. You can see storms building or storms, you know, subsiding. Uh, 
it's really cool. Like you can see a lot of the, the gases mixing in Jupiter. And that's why I really love this planet because every time you look at Jupiter, you don't really know if you're going to see something new. Like there's always a chance you might see a storm, which, you know, with, with some kind of like a small little cyclone. And you might be the first person in the world to see that storm. Yeah, and that's wow. really cool. Yeah, because perhaps no one else was observing Jupiter at that very moment. So you might see something building up. So that's why there are like communities online dedicated solely to observing Jupiter. And they will share yeah. the images of Jupiter saying, okay, today I've, I've, I've observed Jupiter and then there was like a storm that's building or like there was a little uh, storm coming off the great spot and things like that. Yeah. And, and the other cool thing about the great spot is that it's actually shrinking with time. So over the years, as I've observed Jupiter every year, I've, I've noticed, and obviously everyone else has to, that the great spot is shrinking. Really? And, yeah. And some years, it actually gets a bit bigger. So back in uh, 2019, it was really small, like really small compared to 2017. And then now in 2021, that was the last, last year, um, yeah, it's come back to normal size. So it changes a lot. So what and, is and, the spot? Yeah, it's, it's an anti-cyclone actually, which is just like a tornado or a cyclone, a big storm, a huge storm that's like, that could fit a few earths into it in terms of the size. So it's really, really big. Like we, we talk about hurricanes and stuff like that on Earth. Yeah. But no, this is a storm which is like three or four times the size of Earth. Yeah. So it's like wow. this huge whirlpool that's just going around. Yeah, it, it, it is pretty cool. And the cool thing is also that on planets, like especially on Jupiter, you can actually see the color. So the great red spot actually appears quite reddish. I mean, it's more of a brownish kind of red, but okay. yeah, you can see it's reddish. Like all my pictures of uh, Jupiter and Saturn, they are processed to make sure, I try to process them in such a way that you can actually uh, the color is representative of what you see in, a, in the telescope itself. Oh, wow. So there is a, a whole bunch of colors which you actually see in the telescope. And that's why I just love Jupiter. It's just it's so much going on. Wow. So how often do you use your telescope? Um, unfortunately, it's like once every few months because, okay. um, I mean, I've got other commitments in life and the other issue is that it takes a really long time to set up. Like, yeah. um, I have to get to the location uh, and then set it up, you know, get the electronics set up. And then the telescope itself needs to be cooled to ambient temperature. Because uh, if, if you don't, the, if let's say the telescope is slightly warmer than the, and then the ambient temperature itself, then you get currents within the telescope that disrupt the view. So, for example, uh, if you try to look at Jupiter, then, you know, it's going to be like mushy and stuff like that. It was very temperamental. Yeah, yeah, it is very temperamental. After that, then we have to calibrate the, the optics, you know, and kind of like align the mirrors and stuff like that before everything is ready to go. Yeah. So, so it's is a this, lot of work. Yeah. So do you look forward to, do you like circle the date on the calendar and you're like... No, no, no. No? No, because the problem is in Singapore, the weather... Is also very temperamental. Like it can change from not just day to day, but hour to hour. So even if the weather forecast says, oh, it's going to be clear tonight, mm -hmm. like I wouldn't put too much of my money on it. So it's more like if it's really clear tonight, then I'll go out. But sometimes you think it's going to be clear and then it just starts to rain and you're like, okay, forget it. Wow. So that's why it's, it's difficult and ends up becoming like once every few months for me. Wow. Interesting. Uh, so through all these years, what, what has surprised you most about what you've observed? Like what's something you saw and you like were very surprised by? I think I've not actually been surprised per se, okay. but, uh, yeah, but there are like so many cool things, which like, I know what I'm looking for. Because the thing about astronomy is you have to 
look for some you need to know what you're looking for you're looking at infinity you gotta you gotta kind of start somewhere you you gotta focus you gotta focus so so it's like if i'm looking for a galaxy i know what it's gonna look like you're not just gonna stumble upon a new galaxy yeah 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 yeah. chances are you're not gonna stumble upon stuff just like that okay so what's the coolest thing you've seen um the coolest thing is uh there's this group of galaxies called the Macarians chain. So okay. when you when I focus my telescope on it, you can actually see like 10 different galaxies in one field of view, in one IP. Really? So you just look, I just look in and it's like 10, 10 different things, 10 different galaxies, which are millions of light years away, all staring at you. And it's like, whoa, that, that is really cool. That's like my favorite object or place to look in the night sky because of just how crazy it is. So that Macarian chain is actually part of the Virgo supercluster for those, if if you've heard of it, yeah. How do you say it? What is it? The Virgo supercluster, the Virgo. It's in the constellation Virgo, and it's a supercluster of galaxies, and there are like a whole bunch of galaxies in that area. And yeah, I, I think in some sense, it's very surprising because you can actually point your telescope anywhere in that region. And you would see some galaxies. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you think in your lifetime you'll visit outer space? No. <laughs> you don't think so? I, I don't know. Personally, no. But it, it, it's quite funny because when I was really, really young, I actually wanted to become an astronaut. But okay. as I grew older, the urge to go to space was like, nah. Just died down and... Um, yeah, for some reason, it, I think I realized that it's probably not going to happen. And also, I just grew to appreciate just being on Earth because I think if if you know how to appreciate it and you, you know where to look, it is as cool as being in outer space. Yeah, yeah but so you're... If, if I had the opportunity, sure. So you don't need to... You don't need to make the whole big effort and big hassle of actually physically going there when yeah. you can just be here right now in this moment yeah, and appreciate and, and, yes, what yeah, you're yeah, going to yeah, see. Yeah. I, think, I think that, that totally encapsulates my, my feeling now. Yeah. Okay. Because there are like so many things in the night sky to see, so many different galaxies. And even, for example, yeah, the moon. In fact, I think. One of the things that surprised me recently was the moon because you like, have some great photos of the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was surprised at how much detail I could see. Like I could see like lava tubes, ridges, mountains, and valleys of the moon, and felt like uh, I was on a holiday on a tour. And wow. that was during like when COVID was at its peak, so we're all under lockdown and stuff. We can't travel, and just looking at the moon from the and you go into the moon. I felt like I felt like yeah, I was on the moon. <laughs> I was like flying over the surface of the moon and that was still really cool. Yeah. Wow. That is cool. Very, very cool stuff. That's really cool. Is there anything like, uh, any experiences that are like on your bucket list to do for observing space? Totally. I think the, the number one experience for me would be to observe a solar eclipse. Solar yeah, eclipse. because I have not, or rather a total solar eclipse. I've not observed a total solar eclipse, you know. With, an eclipse is when the moon blocks the light from the sun. Mm. And a total solar eclipse is when it blocks it completely, such that there is a total darkness. So day turns into okay. night for like one or two minutes when the moon covers the earth. I mean, the moon covers the sun in the sky. So yeah, a total solar eclipse, that is like, the number one thing on my bucket list. Really? How, how yeah. rare is so, it? It is very rare. And actually, it only happens twice a year on the Earth. On the entire Earth, it's only ha- it only happens twice a year on average. And usually, because of the fact that, you know, Earth has got much more um, ocean than land, it's usually over ocean okay. or it's over some obscure part of the world. Yeah. So it's really difficult to try to hunt down a total selective. So occasionally it does cut through like large bodies of land, like um, the, the next one, which is 
might be possible would be next year in 2023. There is one that kind of like grazes the northeastern tip of Australia. Yeah, but it really, the, the area which you can observe it in is so small that it might not actually be practical to try. Yeah. And then I think in a year later or something, there's one that cuts, cuts across uh, America. Yeah, the United States. And in then, when, when yeah, did you say? Yeah. I, I'm not sure because I can't remember the date. Like, I can't remember the year, but it's in a couple of years' time. I know there's one that cuts across the United States. So there, there was an eclipse here. I want to say like... Yeah, I think two or two three, or three years, years ago. ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah. like, it was kind of a big deal. I remember... Yeah, uh, it is. It is. I went to uh, the park by my house, Wells Park, and there were a ton of people. There's like three or four baseball diamonds there and just like grass. It's just a large park area. And people brought like um, beach towels and people, some people had telescopes like, and I just sat there and then it was like dark for a moment and you could see you'd i think i brought my sunglasses you weren't supposed to look directly at it yeah yeah is that is that a thing yeah 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 you shouldn't look directly because it because of all the uv radiation that the sun gives off so yeah. you might not feel it but it can do a lot of damage and harm to the eyes so that's why usually we have special solar filters which cut out like 99.9 percent .9 of all the light and then that's when it's safe to look directly with with a solar filter, a proper solar filter. So okay. yeah, even with sunglasses, it's not not really good. But I don't know. For you, was it a total solar eclipse? Like, did it get? It wasn't. Down? It wasn't like a. It wasn't like you would. It. It was day and now it's night. It was more like. Yeah, it just dimmed. dimmed it's down. dimmed. It was dimmed for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So like, I think. For you, you saw a partial solar eclipse. So yeah. That's when most of the sun gets blocked, but not all. But if you actually travel to the right locations, you can actually see a total solar eclipse, and then yeah, it goes completely night. But the interesting thing is that when um, the moon blocks the sun completely, so that's where we call it totality, and everything goes dark, you can actually look at the sun directly without any filters. Because at that point, the sun is completely blocked. And all you see is like the 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 corona the corona outburst around the sun. So I mean I've not seen it personally, but that's what I want to see one day. So that's the only moment, like for one or two minutes, when you can actually um, look at the sun directly without any solar filters. But at all other times, you have to use the solar filter. So how soon in uh, advance can you figure yeah. out where it's going to be like a total eclipse? In fact, you can figure it out in advance, like uh, years, like decades in advance. Like if you go online, there are calculators which calculate solar eclipses up to any date you want, and they can backdate solar eclipses up to any date you want as well. <laughs> really? Yeah. So like you can search for solar eclipses um, in ancient times, thousands of years ago, and I think that is what some historians do. Like because there are archives of you know the sky suddenly going dark and so they try to match it up to solar eclipses that happen in that area. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine in, in ancient times, people experiencing an eclipse and yeah. wondering what yeah. is going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. And in fact, I think they usually see it as a bad omen. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. Yeah, they, they wouldn't know what's going on. Yeah. Wow. But now we know. Now we know it's just, you know, a really cool phenomenon that we can all look forward to and enjoy. <laughs> 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 or plan for and make a trip based on it. So switching, uh, switching gears a little bit here. Um, something I love asking guests is like, what, what songs are in your like heavy rotation right now? Do you have like top three songs that you're listening to all the time? Um, I think in terms of, in terms of bands is like, uh, Muse, but I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of like my favorite band. Muse, Muse, yeah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't really put any other band. Maybe like Green Day. <laughs> Green Day, yeah. yeah. But for me, I'm not not so much of a like a music fan. Like I listen to most things of anything that comes by. But okay. yeah, and sometimes a bit of jazz actually, but no no particular artists. 
like at an interest level, yes, but in terms of the actual physics itself, not quite. Okay, like, in I simple terms, what is yeah. in simple terms, what is quantum physics? It's the idea that particles are not particles. <laughs> as, as crazy as it sounds, but it's the idea that particles don't exist, but rather they are they are probabilistic. So like if I say I have a proton here, it might not be here and it might not be a proton, but if we manage to catch an instance of it, I think it's here. <laughs> like it's saying that the world exists, but it doesn't kind of exist. <laughs> yeah, basically that's, I think, how quantum physics should be built. <laughs> like there are a bunch of equations that describe where you might find particles or how particles might appear. But I think in a nutshell is that particles may not exist. <laughs> Basically, they say, oh, it's like a wave. But yeah. Wow. The crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's why it's like, if, if you're talking about unifying quantum physics and like particle physics, one of which you know, looks at the world as a particle and the other one says that it's not really a particle, yeah, it feels very different. And I feel like if anyone is able to unify the thing, the two together, yeah, it for sure is going to open up so many more questions. Wow. So answers lead to more questions. Yes. And I think that's, that's the general thing about science. Like anything that we know, and we will start to question more. I think that's, that's being human, right? Mm -hmm. Like human curiosity, the one to learn more. And to be curious about everything around us. Yeah. yeah. So what are you most curious about right now? Um, personally, I think it's more like, uh, like trying to... It, 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 it is a strange question because like, I have spent so many years, um, like my entire childhood, reading about astronomy, reading about science, that I've kind of gotten to the point where I, to some extent, become a bit less, uh, a bit nonchalant to, to new ideas. Like, it's kind of like, oh, you know, there's so many questions that kind of cannot quite, I, I can't really put myself to a single um, question and be curious about it. But I think in general, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm just curious about wanting to um, understand more about the universe. And actually, in fact, now from the universe, it's gone to like nature as well, because I think for me, I've spent most of my life reading about science, but not actually spent much time paying attention to nature. So like, um, not, not a very deep kind of curiosity, but like I've started to pick up bird watching and looking at, like looking for animals in Singapore and it's quite cool. So yeah, in the sense, curious about what kind of um, natural things we can find in Singapore. Wow, yeah. that's cool. From, from, from the, the science part of it, it's new science, like kind of like the biological thing. It's a different kind of science. Like geography it's like more thing. biological yeah. science. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I think it's cool. I've always had an interest in like geography as well, with like, when you look at like the nature, mm -hmm. um, perhaps like coast, rocks, um, plate tectonics. And yeah, I think that's kind of where a bit of my curiosity lies, like the nature part of it, where we can touch it more and more down to earth. In a sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, so my last question for you is, what's something you're excited about for the next two years? Well, I mean, honestly, it would be the solar eclipse. <laughs> like, solar uh, eclipse. I, I, did, I did mention like there's a possible solar eclipse. I might try to catch next year in Australia. Like it just grazes Australia. Like my, my buddies and I we kind of said, oh, let, or rather actually a few years ago, we said, let's get to it. Like, let's do it wow. hook or crook. But the problem is now with COVID, we've got travel restrictions yeah. and stuff like that. So it's, we're not sure if we're going to be able to do it next year. But uh -huh. yeah, if we could, that's like something I would totally look forward to. Wow. Well, that's awesome. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to have a conversation with me about all this 
science and space yes, and stuff. <laughs> it, it's really cool. Like like the world out there is so big. It's yeah, I think that's like the the coolest thing about astronomy is to, to realize how big the world is, how big the universe is. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Again, you can follow Joe Kim on Instagram at cosmic underscore palette. Have an exciting rest of your day filled with wonder and imagination.